Hello guys and welcome to your Una series podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us today and I will tell you that you're up for a treat again because I have an amazing guest and he is called Dr. Etienne Horner. <laughs> Let me introduce a bit how we know each other and I think I'm going to say something very simple but so true. Etienne is a doctor, he's a very famous doctor, he's a very good doctor but he's also a very good man which means that he also thinks that there are a few things out of the medical profession as such that also is interesting and valuable for his patients. And he is keen on holistic therapies. And uh, luckily enough, I'm a holistic therapist. And therefore, we met because, as you know, I'm an osteopath and acupuncturist and Etienne and I share some patients. And today, he's been lovely to accept this invitation. We hopefully we'll touch a few subjects but one that we share a lot is obviously pregnancy pregnancy care pregnancy in the expect expectations that a patient can have and obviously delivery because that's really what etienne is doing uh, most of his day so anyway thank you etienne for coming thank you very fast it's a pleasure to be here i really um, appreciate it i know how, how busy you are <laughs> luckily we from where we are today etienne works just around the corner so basically he was at the hospital today in the clinic and he's coming just after that absolutely so, and i could run back if need be <laughs> exactly we got so lucky about that can i i mean i'm going to leave you to introduce yourself etienne first how would you what would you say um i would say that i'm a swiss guy having decided to leave switzerland uh, nearly 20 years ago um i did all my training in switzerland and then decided I think that's not it. Mm -hmm. um, we had our first child in Switzerland and my wife, having grown up in Australia, spoke English to her. And everyone told us, why the hell are you speaking English to your child? You're never going to leave Switzerland because no one ever will leave Switzerland. <laughs> All Swiss people will stay there. Mm -hmm. So my aim was definitely not instead of staying in Switzerland and getting a classical um, career, my aim was to do something different. So I left Switzerland when I finished my, um, my specialization and came here to London to do research. So I had a good job in Switzerland, leaving behind and becoming again something like a student. That was a big call, wasn't it? How it was, you, but... Um, brave, you know, brave call. That's really? true, but I just wasn't ready at that stage to... Um, I always say in Switzerland to buy a house and drive a Mercedes. Mm -hmm. It That's wasn't just there yet. So I came to London, did two years of research in a field I had not much idea. Um, what it, was it? If I it may. was um, um, low sex desire for women around in the menopause. Mm -hmm. So it was the launching of the testosterone patch, yes. which I was paid by a pharmaceutical study to do that over two years. And what, that, what came out of it? It was super interesting. Um, it was a, ran a randomized placebo-controlled study. A lot of women were on the patch, of course, the others not, had a diary to fill in daily thoughts about their sexual experiences and um, life. And a lot of women on the placebo had different experiences thinking they're on the treatment, therefore more focusing on my sex life, therefore had increased sex life without treatment. Which is, I mean, anyway, we could, this is a totally, yeah, this totally is totally different, subject, but, but this, this placebo is incredible. Absolutely. It? So it was interesting. That's more now, part of my job now is to deliver babies, to look after pregnant women. The other big part is um, to look after women in their menopause with their changes of everything in their life. 
which we want to speak as well about because this is a subject that obviously you're so you know ex expert on but also because we i see a lot of of, of patients in, at both hands as well so i would yeah. like to share that with you but let's come back on sort of carrying on with your so you came to london did a study then you went back into a yeah. clinical world I guess. then i i did my uh, i did my um, research here but at the same time i continued working as a as a normal doctor in the hospital until then i applied for this job which again everyone said you will never get the job it's so familiarized in, in in London, only people from here will get the job. And somehow, lucky days, everything, I got the job I have now. Maybe because Mitch. you went good. Maybe it's let's a mixture just, of many let, things. Let, it's, but um, yeah, so I'm grateful to do the job I do for since I'm here. So what is it exactly? What, tell so what, what's the job? I, I have uh, an NHS appointment where I do mostly uh, looking after pregnant women and mostly after these menopause women. Privately, I more do private deliveries because that's what, what an obstetrician particularly likes. You follow the women throughout the pregnancy and then you deliver them. And they come to you because they like the way you look after them during the labor, during the pregnancy right. care, yeah. and then... Uh, yeah, the way you deliver. Which brings me to the first, I mean, not the first, but one question here is, um, what would you say, I know it's a tricky question, what would you say is the first question a pregnant lady comes into your office, on a, we call it a premier power when it's the first yeah. baby. So yeah. it seems that she doesn't maybe know as much as she will if she had a baby already. And she comes to you and she says, Dr. Arnold, where there did you we go? <laughs> Something you mainly would not expect. A lot of women ask you complete details. Today I saw a couple, first time she was had her first scan today, eight weeks pregnant, and we had a 15-minute discussion about supplements in pregnancy, whether Q, uh, CQ10 and vitamin B12 yeah. is essential together with probiotics to protect gallbladder, intestines, uh, amino acids, which I was there like, bizarre, but mostly you get questions which you would not expect. Right. Do you, do you, do you find that, do you sometimes, do you get thrown a bit like, wow. Well, yeah, you know? like today I thought, oh, I know not much about, I would say, take a multivitamin. Why would you advise me to, to, to take that? What's in there exactly? So and do you challenging know? you in a way on that. Absolutely. Also, and I, I mean, at the end I said, listen, I don't know as much as you would like me to tell you because that's not a topic I, I yeah. have looked into it before. But you know so much as well compared to a lot of other doctors. So interesting that she was challenging you on this. So it's often questions which are more detailed, more in my views, maybe less important than main hit questions you would expect to ask you, do you think that this pregnancy will continue? Right. Or, you know, major things. Um, it's more detailed things. I, I know we had this chat before and it, it's interesting. I want to bring a bit of the social components to this whole idea yeah. of pregnancy because we both live in London. We've worked in London for 20 years, you've just said. And it is, there's quite a, a big difference in the way that society has changed in the last 30 years, to put a number on it, in a way that people maybe have babies a bit later yeah. Which means that the women patient that you see and uh, that I see are a bit, you know, let's say thirty-five plus in some occasions, which Most is of them. which is quite different from one generation before, where it was quite common to have a baby within twenty-five years old. So, 
The first question I have here for you, well, we're coming to the social aspect of this first, but pure anatomy, pure, you know, more medical side, is it quite different for a, a, a lady to have a baby at 25, let's say, or at 38? Hugely different. Huge. It's a pleasure to have a patient um, who is 25 because you know their body basically is made to give birth. It's not like that, but it's so easy. They tolerate pain much more. And they just, the body just goes easier than someone who's 40. It's the same for me. If I'm not as fit as I am now than when I was 25. So resilience. But for, men, for women, it's classic. So how would you say, so there's the old pregnancy, I know every time we have to divide it, but let's say pure delivery, you know, what would you say is the biggest difference? Is it the elasticity of the tissues? Is it the resilience to pain? Is it the conditioning of the mind? Are there more stress, less stress? I know it's, I don't want big generalities here, but I'm just trying to think, where would you pinpoint that there's a big, big difference? I think it's the, it's the expectations which are different for uh, younger women. Mm. They come in and they just go what their body tells them. Women who are older put in a lot of effort and a lot of thinking. A lot of thoughts. Mm. And I remember when I was a trainee, um, a very young, a midwife told me, Etienne, just think the women who don't think much give birth fantastically. <laughs> The intelligent women think so much, and there it starts. It will be more difficult. Uh, she told that to me in a different way, but, but that's was, the nicer way to yeah. say. But you know, it's it, funny you say this because we have, I know, seen this as well. And for example, and to not finger point anything, but it happens sometimes that you see some patient who are not in the best of health, could be a bit overweight, for example, not eating the right thing. Yeah and having a pregnancy that you're not necessarily are so keen on, for example. And on the other hand, a super healthy woman who's been exercising diligently yeah. for 10 years, ripped really diligently in her work and in her life, you know, being so, yeah. And, yeah. and she's ready, and she's read all the books about delivery, and she's ready, she's done, you know, we, she's prepared. Yeah. And somehow you and I know that the second one is going to have a trickier Completely. delivery Absolutely. than the first one. And it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's fascinating to me. I think it's, it's counterintuitive. Yeah, it, That's what you I'm can't, saying. I don't have an explanation for that. I often think she won't deliver well, or I go in and think this will be a lot of work for me. And it just goes like a dream. And other women are there. And I think, what the, why is it not working the same way? We don't know. It must have to do with thoughts behind thinking that for some it's not just about small and big no but isn't it fascinating this is why your job is so because i love it you yeah, yeah it's the curiosity you never know what you ne i never know I, de I delivered a lady this morning which i thought it will be something and it just went the way and initially she said i'm going to do this and that and i said oh come on how about trying this out and she then went with that flow and she could be guided in a way she felt she's doing it for herself. But at the end, it was the way I wanted it to do for her. And it went really well. That's and nice. I think that's... That's real guidance. And that's, 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 that's rewarding. gives her the impression she's done it the way she wants. Correct. In a way for me to say, well, actually, you did it the way I wanted it. Yeah. Which is, I think you, it's really difficult to say. I can't say what makes someone giving 
birth better or not. Would you say there is some genetic traits to it? Do you know, in the case history, do you ask, you know, how did your mom, yeah. how did it go for your mom or your sisters? You know, do you go into that? I don't think so. I don't have the impression. I have the impression it's a mixture Just a singular of... case every time. I think so. And then, yeah. so coming into this more, obviously, that when they have more than one... It'll be easier. It'll be it gets easier. it gets easier. Yeah, yeah. I I think we had a big discussion last week um, with our team um, to prepare women what could happen in labour. I think that's a huge luck at the moment because women do not know in general what can happen, and when it is there that something doesn't go what they think, they're surprised and think this no one told me that yet no. because no one has. And to give them all these scenarios, I think that would be something which needs to be done in the future. So we do it more. With I was the, going to say that's what you do. I mean, that's you, what you, I do. But uh, um, just with the ones I see all the time, yeah. and the women who don't have that won't get that information. Maybe they don't look for it. That's right. But I will pinpoint out to say this can be that, that, and that. I'm curious because I find, and you know, we. Yeah, if we talk about menopause in a minute, if we have time for this, it's the same thing. A lot of it seems to be, we know the information is out there if you look yeah. for it. We yeah. know that there's practitioners are very keen to share this information, yet it seems that it doesn't reach out. And I'm not too sure yet. I do understand it if you are a 23-year-old lady, a bit surprised by a pregnancy that you're not so fast and you think, oh, it's yeah. just going to go fine. Yeah. But when you are that type who has really put a lot of first effort in the baby, effort in the pregnancy mm -hmm. to not be so, you know, and it's not curious, not understanding of what can happen in, in labor. So hang on, without just an exhaustive list, but what, what can happen in labor? That, that it is interesting to know. Just things which you don't particularly expect to happen that, for example, you can, there is no way that you can push the baby out and you need help. And whether this is the help you were expecting or not, that's something new for you. Maybe you never wanted to think because there is no other way than the way I have planned to have my baby. Mm -hmm. And the more... The rigidity of that thought. Completely. The more, I think, maybe the more women have, as you said before, they're 20, they're younger, then they have a career, then they're good at their career, then they decided that's time now, my next project is a baby, I'm going to be as good in that job as I have been so before, far, yeah. so I'm going to plan my labor and I'm going to do it this, this and this way. And if it doesn't go that way, that makes it more difficult. That's true. And actually, you, since you mentioned this, I think I want to jump now into the social aspect of that, because there's a very big change for us as as therapists or doctors in your case, where we see ladies, let's say 35 plus, you've just said it, so I'm bouncing on this, you know, very career orientated, successful yeah. with a husband, you know, they have a really, I'd say, exciting life in yeah. a big capital. And then suddenly this next project is the baby. Now, it's an, an unfair project, right? It's only the woman who's going to get pregnant. It's only yeah. the woman who's going to have a body changing. It's yeah. only the woman who's going to have to go through these questions or not. Completely. It's only the woman who's going to have to go through delivery, the first you know, pre yeah. like breastfeeding, all the things that comes yeah. after. And and what I find interesting is that very recently things have changed. In the last generation, before we used to live much closer to our extensive family, and family were bigger. So you were getting a lot of input, and not input that is medical, but input support yeah. from your mother, from your aunt, from your cousins. So women would gather and give you their experience sharing. And I think that this is very absent in big capitals where 
we have monocellular families. There's no support here whatsoever. So the only support they have is what they've built in Themselves. to be. And it's such a big change, whichever way you want to look at it. And I think that is such a big surprise to a lot of them. And it's, it's we've, we've sorted out that the surprise is what makes things more difficult. Yeah. I think that this discussion is huge. And I, I, I try now when I see it coming, because you see the type of patient I'm talking yeah. about, say, so listen, you know, we, you have to be in acceptance. You have to know that some of the things that might happen won't be so smooth and yeah. be ready for or accepting of it. How do you, how do you, as a, because you've been here 20 years, so you know this, this yeah. kind of character very well. What do you, how do you manage it? I think it's really difficult. I think this expectation and project baby to prepare yourself is really, really difficult. Um, couples or women, they're not terribly open-minded to add holistic care to normal care. First mm -hmm. of all, I have no time because I work, I'm busy. I'm busy. I can barely see you for the checkups. Do you think I have time to see a holistic therapeut in between? No. So to, to make them clear that this is a combination of which can only help you, which we know from patients we look after if they have seen you and me together, somehow things are smoother. Because there's also a resonance of the discourse. Yeah. Because suddenly it's not just one who will say something, yeah. just open that door thinking, look, maybe this can happen. This, you know, you, it's a suggestive approach, yeah. isn't it? You say, look. They then can come back and say, I've seen, and he's mentioned this, what do you think about? And I think the challenge for that is good because they don't only hear one person, they hear another specialist in another field to say, well, talk to him about this and see what he thinks about it. So they're opening up their views because the husbands are, I always say, we are as partners, not much of help. We have more pressure to the women because we want them to be as perfect as we feel they should be. And the sure. women think, yeah, I have to be really good. I have to show to my husband that I'm not just beautiful, clever, intelligent. I'm going to have this baby as a breeze. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of pressure. And it's really difficult to take this off them and say, just yeah. leave it. Why would you, well, not why, how would you um, describe the, another request, the intention of those ladies, you know, the way they want to have their babies? Do you find in the last 10, 15 years, more ladies want natural birth, more ladies want more assisted birth, more ladies want epidural, for example, ladies try without, you know, what is... Is the request, is there a pattern or a trend? I think um, lady, uh, women choose their doctor on um, recommendations what mm. they Different. want to have. Okay. So I think if you entirely want to have a cesarean section, you go to the person who will say, I think it's a good idea for you to have a cesarean section. Yeah. If they want to think, I'm going to try this, I'm going to go on this ride, I just need the right person to follow, to help me. Then they will see the person who says, yeah, I'm up for it. Come on, let's do it together. Yeah. I support you. I'm here to see that things go well, but I'm going to be as well. I'm not going to be so nice to you when it comes to the point where you say, oh, no, I don't want anymore. I say, come on, that's it. That's We're going to go along. As long as you're a baby and you are well, I'm going to try to sort of help you to push you to that point which you would like to do. Mm -hmm. So I think we met... The, I don't think much have changed. In my experience, I don't have more women who have this or that. Requirements, I guess. I, yeah, I think that depends. But possibly they come to me because they know I would like them to give birth vaginally um, because that's what I like to do. I also like to do a cesarean section, but that's different. Mm. 
Right. I don't think more women have chosen to have a C-section compared to a vaginal delivery or an epidural than uh, other pain relief. I don't think so. I can't you say can't in the last about. 20 years it's changed much more. I think it's, it was the same 20 years ago. Would you say the techniques have changed? You know, how has obstetrics changed in the last 20 years? Because, you know, at the end of the day, there have been people getting born since the history of yeah, humanity. Yeah, it hasn't so. changed much. I don't think it hasn't changed much. It's still that, obviously, it's the women who have get to have to get the babies. The mm-hmm. men can't do much. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. I always say, possibly I shouldn't say that, but I always say if I would have a baby, I would never have a vaginal delivery myself. Um, and I tell the, my the patients that as well. And they look at me with big eyes and I say, well, you know, it's tough. It's hard work. Yeah. It's different. It's private. It's intimate. Mm-hmm. It's not everyone's prepared to be in a situation like this where you're super vulnerable. You have a, 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 your doctor there yeah. and you have your husband there and you have someone else and everyone's concentrated between your legs. That's mm. not everyone's. No. Um, and already this imagination could for lots of people be, that's just too much for me. I don't want that. I see that. I see so, that. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's not so easy. It's no. not so easy to just go with the flow if we say you have to go with the flow um, because you, I, I don't buy, uh, you know, things, you have expectations on you um, and the more you're focused on that, the higher they are because that's what, you're in a city, you live in London, um, you, you have impulse everywhere. Do you, um, coming back more into the actual you know, delivery itself, I mean, sometimes, and this is why you around, things don't go as, as well as yeah. they could, yeah. you know, could happen. And then is this always, not always, is it a surprise, you know, when it doesn't go well? I mean, because I know obviously your yes. job is to try and be so preventative. Yeah. So you measure, you do all the things you could do to avoid to make, yeah. a surprise. So where would you say the surprise is? Again, this kind of random, we don't know, nature is this way. It's not Why big it doesn't go well, you mean? Yeah. And then, yeah. At, that, at which point do you think, okay, this is not, I have to really intervene because this is it. You know, there's a moment where you make that decision, right? Yeah. And that is it, you know, is it intuition? Is it really calibered? Like, okay, I don't know. They say the, the heartbeat of the fetus has dropped quite a no, few I times. No, I think it's experience to see where you feel you have too many points which pinpoint that this doesn't go the way we would think it will go. Okay. And that's my job then to sort of preempt the expectations and say, well, let's speak again in 10 minutes about it, even though I know that in 10 minutes I will say the same. But just to prepare them to say, this might not be how we continue. Mm-hmm. But I previously already, when I see them throughout the pregnancy, I say, listen, it could well be possible that I change the plan. I Within 10 mind. minutes, I say, listen, we're not going to go this way. It's a different way. If it needs to be fast, I tell you later. But this is what I'm going to do now. So that like they that. think, okay, Etienne doesn't say anything. He must be happy. The plan is on the go. But if all of a sudden, he, a lot of my patients can read me and say, you look strange. Something's not going the way you want. And I said, yeah, because I don't like the heartbeat of the baby is too irregular or this is not going so so we changed the plan right and i that brings me to the next question which is a tricky one but purely professionally we all change in ourselves we change in our minds we change in our profession so how would you say you as a doctor today etienne in 2021 is different from etienne 20 years ago when he moved in london 
Of course, it, it, what's different is I've, I've been doing that job for a long time. So yeah. my experience now compared to 20 years ago is much different. I'm, you have had, due to, from that experience, you've seen many, many things. You're much possibly more calmer because you're less excited when you see something. You think it worked so many times better if you do it. I think experience makes you possibly for the patient better because you're not as nervous as I may would have been 20 years ago. I may not have showed it, but in myself, I would have thought, oh, this is never going to go well. And now I think, yeah, it will go well because I know how to do it. And I know that the job I do, I do it quite well in yeah. a way. Yeah. So it, make, it reassures me more. But otherwise, you still, I think for the job we have to go out day and night, whenever you have to go, um, a lot of people say, how can you do that? I say, I really like it. So this, uh, well, you, you jumped, you, you, you read my mind, because my next question is, is the big thing about you guys, I mean, most doctors, but you especially, when you give, you know, you're on call, as it yeah. were, all the time. Yeah. So how, how do you structure your life around this? Do you just, you just, you're basically, you're good at sleeping little, you can wake up in two seconds, you jump in your car. I mean, how yeah. do you manage it? You just you, you just have done it a long time and you're good at it as well. Is that I it? think it's much easier for me because, um, yeah, I just got used to it. I have no issues to sleep anywhere I go, whether it's an hour or 45 minutes or five minutes, that's fine. So king I of get up, I take the phone, I listen, I get ready, I drive and I come back and I sleep. Much more difficult is for the people you live with. Yeah. Because you could prepare a lovely dinner. You have guests arriving in 10 minutes. The phone rings. Etienne is off. And you're done. If I'm not at home, if someone rings, the children say, he's in the hospital. Mm -hmm. That's the classic. Where is he? He's in the hospital. So I think for the people who li you live with, it's much more difficult. But for then you... for me, no, because, I'm, because I, I'm lucky that I can sleep anytime and everywhere. And I'm lucky that I'm not, I'm a good morning person. I can get up at three o'clock in the morning. I can come to the hospital and I can mm. have a cup of coffee and talk. It's not that I'm moody. Yeah. I'm hardly never moody. So it helps it's me. Just, it's, it's just the way it's you're just, wired. It's, it's just the way I'm wired that I go and I say, yeah, great. How many, I mean, not, not to go into numbers here, but could you have more than, could you have two patients that you would give birth in, you have giving birth in one day? I mean, how do you have sometimes yeah, rush? Sometimes how do you do if you have two or three at the same time, for example? I don't know, I'm just saying. You just have, I think you have to then, you have to know that you always have a friend to call if you need to. Okay. So you can. And I have you, this. I have nice. some colleagues mm -hmm. of mine. If I, if I feel I'm not going to manage to go from one patient to the other, I will ring them and say, can you come and help me? And so obviously and you, do, they, you do the same thing for and them, they of do the, I would do the same thing and I know they would come, even unannounced. And I think that gives That's you really... sort of the, the quietness to say it'll work out. It often works out that you just do one thing and then you do the next thing uh, apart again. Nice. But you need, to, uh, you need to sort of help or experience yourself that, that it will go the way. If you're more of a nervous person, that's not a good idea. No, because it's then you make yourself more um, nervous with that and it won't go well. This is a silly question, but have you had issues with the, the fathers? Because I know that a lot of the time they of are the ones getting really stressed much more because the mom is in it. You know, she, can't, yeah, you know, yeah. she has to do it. But then the dad is obviously he's also submerged by emotions. Of course, it's, 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 there's nothing bigger, I guess, in one's life. But, you know, they can some people get 
good in those moments. Some people probably doesn't show their I best side. So um, I think the dads are in a situation where they don't know much because yeah. they have no time to do antenatal classes. Um, they don't know much. They just expect that everything goes well. And if they haven't slept, um, they just get sometimes not so pleasant because of the stress situation. Right. Yeah, That's the main thing. And if you then take that and say, it'll be fine. Um, so you just firm and say, you just firm this and is say, my listen, yeah. I'm going to do what I have to do now, whether you like it or not, I still do it because my, my responsibility is that your wife and your baby's well. Mm. And as such, if you have, I've had many, many discussions at three o'clock in the morning with uh, husbands haggling with say, can we not wait 45 minutes and do this and that? And I think if time allows, you just have to go with that. There is no way to say to stop them because they're equally intelligent like the women, like I am. So and I they, would and just they want to have they they want want, that space yeah. to be able as to verbalize it. As long as there is the possibility to discuss it, mm -hmm. it's fine. If it's not, I would firmly say, not now. That's it's right. more important than to do this. And then we can discuss it afterwards. You can't please everyone either. You know, yeah, it's just sometimes happened that, you, that they feel... It's not the way they would like it to have. Do you find that there is... Um, so now we're going a bit into the postpartum a little bit because yeah. you obviously will follow the women afterwards and there's a lot of... Uh, this is coming back between to my field here and we we focus a lot on um, the perineum that obviously has been stretched yeah. into in a vaginal delivery and we know that it is totally part of the whole core stability which is made of of the, the lower wrapping muscles around the abdomen and the pelvic floor. So if you have a very weak pelvic floor, it's very difficult to have a core that is the stabilizer of yeah. the lumbar spine. So I know this is a funny, it's a cultural thing, as we know. In France, for example, <laughs> it's a huge thing for yeah. quite a while and there is, it's difficult to get away to not have some pelvic rehab, is yeah. how we call it. But in England, some, well, it does it now, does. but but it's recent. It is yeah, like it's absolutely. been. A, everyone has been roaring into yeah. this, and I would say now, if I know, I mean, I, I advise it a lot myself, and I. But it's like if there's five or ten people in London, that's the maximum who, who will do it. And yeah. I just want, first of all, do you have any idea what it is cultural difference? Because I never managed to pinpoint. And secondly, how do you? Explain to them, because I think if a lot of it will come from you, because yeah. you're obviously yeah. the first one to witness yeah. and say, listen, you had a tear, for example, or not, or this happened, yeah. or you had to add stitches or whatever the outcome was and say, look, I think, you know, for the long term, yeah. you should do this because whatever, whatever it is. I think I don't know what the cultural difference. <clears throat> I don't know why France has more um, uh, pelvic floor re-education. Um, installed in, yeah, in, in I the, don't know in why. Society. It might be just French women are slightly more selfish maybe I, I don't know I, but here I tell the, the women I follow I tell them before they get birth afterwards you have to go and do some pelvic floor exercises you have to go at least see one person once because a lot of them say I do it myself and I said mm. what do you do and they explained to me I said how do you know it works well I just do it I said that might not be working and you don't do it for now you do it for later when you become menopausal, it might be then when you suffer from not having done perineal uh, re-education. So you have to do it now. That's great because I, I, I think that can well help us to the transition <laughs> maybe to go to your... into the perimenopause. We have a bit of time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use it if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine because that's obviously a, a big area of expertise for you. And if you don't mind, I would like to go in the actual the, the perimenopause if that's so. 
just so people know exactly the difference, the menopause is the day of your last period and thereafter. The perimenopause is when you start having changes to your normal cycle before you reach that last period and what happens there. So Jen will tell us a lot about this, but in a nutshell, a lot of things will change and the way the hormones will drop slowly, estrogen mostly is erratic. So it's difficult to know where and where you are because you can never tell at this point when the last period will be. And I think, I'm just going to come with the first question. Yeah. That's okay. I find that a lot of my patients going through it, and we go through, we can obviously go through the symptoms, which are vast because it affects such an, an array of things. But one of the things I find is really tricky is that because you don't know when it finishes, you can't really brace yourself for it. It's like, you know, if you climb a mountain, you know what this is the end. Yeah. So you can just say, okay, I'm going to do this yeah. and that to get there. But in, in a perimenopause, you don't. You just... It's it's fluctuating, it's changing all the time, there's no pattern to it, it's not nice, and you don't know when it's going to stop. And it, again, just to make it, because we are both uh, very big defenses of women, it's again on the women. Because if we go back on this, the women had to be successful, career, do their kids, and then they have a, let's say, 15-year gap, and then, bang, they have something else to do again, and now they have to deal with this. And the perimenopause can be big, it's not just... It could be two, three, four, four years. It can start a long time. So I think we need to help these women as well to understand. And I love that you say this from birth because it's true that what you're doing here will have an impact. Yeah. Weeks later. Sorry, that was a long introduction. To <laughs> you're not but, selling it well to the women no, in the menopause. <laughs> well, I think it is. Do you think? I think I'm being honest. I think it's. No, 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 no are, I'm, being, I'm being I, super. It's really difficult. Yeah, it's that's what I'm saying. And, but it, and I just want to say it's important that people know about it rather than deny it and just learn about it rather to, so that they can do the best about it. I think the menopause is not out there to talk about, which I, in a way, understand why. Because why would you, why would you go out and say, I'm 48 and I have... I can't sleep because I'm sweating at night. Or you could say, actually, I don't sleep together with my husband anymore mm -hmm. because it's painful. It's really difficult to say that because, first of all, you may not have sleeping together because you don't like each other anymore. Or maybe other reasons it might be a variation of things. So it's not out there. I think women suffer alone and just bite the bullet. Um, how to cope with it to know when it will start we always say we think the menopause is towards 50. I never say listen prepare yourself I would always say well around 50 it could happen that you start getting some sort of symptoms whether you have your period still or not but that and women are very well aware turning 50 often is not it's not so great in terms of health-wise because they know that's the time when my periods will stop, mm -hmm. potentially. And that's when I will not have the chance anymore to have a child, even though I'm 50, but I won't have my periods regularly anymore. And I think it depends all what the preparation is for you in your head. I see a lot of women who are fantastically well, but they have prepared themselves completely different. And all the women who say, I can't cope with it. I'm not myself anymore who I was two years ago with nothing. I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy in my relationship. I'm not happy at work because I can't cope with it. My life is a disaster. I have to do something because up to now, I could control everything. And all of a sudden, this is this crazy person here, which is not me. 
they change. I, I think here you, you touched many things. I thought about anxiety as well. I have, you know, you have patients who can do some things like being public speakers and, you know, like being all yeah. their career. Yeah. And then suddenly they turn around and they can't do something that they've been doing so well for so many years. And, Completely. It's, and it's difficult because they're also at a senior position in yeah. their career. So people expect them to be just like, just, yeah. you know, just what, did you do your thing. You've done it 15 yeah. years. What's yeah. wrong? And it's just, it's overwhelming to, to, yeah. to lose that confidence. Um, so what do you do? <laughs> uh, um, I mean, it, it all depends what, what, what's the first of, what's the most important symptom for them. They think we can't sort out everything. There is no yeah, bring back my me from a few years ago. That's really difficult. For some women, it works mm -hmm. to re replace their hormones, to change many things. I often say, okay, let's have a look what you do job-wise and what you do for exercises and what you do for pleasure and what you eat and, uh, you know, a whole because sort of a view overall. And if they tell me my job is super busy, I'm flying the world, I'm busy, I said, well, maybe that's something to reassess. Well, not everyone can change the job quickly yeah, because yeah. we need, you know, we need the money to pay our lives. Um, but looking into that, uh, or I say, what do you do when you have nothing to do? How do you relax? Are you going swimming? Do you read a book? Do you do... So looking at things like well, that to start yeah. with, really? yeah, mm -hmm. first of all, before then hitting some medication options. Medication options are always there, but they're definitely not my first, um, first line to go. That's nice. I think would we have more time with the patients to speak, that would already help a lot to say, well, I'm not the only one. Other women have the same. And do you think that's normal? And already that understanding for many women helps to say, okay, fine, I'm not quite crazy mm. because of that, because it's a normal process. May I say in the research of this uh, podcast, I looked, you know, at any given time, there are 12 million women in menopause or perimenopause in the UK. Yeah. So that's when you say you're not alone, you want to say, no, yeah. you're definitely not alone. There's a lot of people in the same kind of change and passage in life. But I think something I, I find that I do suggest now quite a bit, and I don't know what you think about this, is that I find... The menopause, if you're married or if you're in a relationship, is actually a relationship issue. Because if you put it all on the lady to sort it out, let's talk about vaginal dryness, for example, yeah. and therefore sex, which yeah. it becomes painful, difficult, libido goes down. Obviously, this is your research, mm -hmm. you know all about this. Yeah. I think that if you say to the man first, say, listen, do you know what perimenopause is or menopause? This is it. These are all the symptoms that your wife might have. This is all the thing and changes she has, she has to cope with on top of all the other things in your life. Now, you could say to them, well, instead of saying, well, that's for you to sort out, you can say, okay, we have issues here, you know, because the man can say, well, maybe I'm not, I'm not, you know, you're not excited by me anymore. Mm -hmm. This is why you're not, mm -hmm. you know, have vaginal dryness. Or try and say, okay, this is a physiological thing, it has nothing to do with your desire. Why don't we go out and buy all the 10 different lubricants that we can find mm -hmm. and try them all one by one and see what works best. Like if you're inclusive that way, you change the whole perception on it. And it's not just a woman. I think it's, I'm trying to bring it as a couple solution rather yeah. than, you know, stigmatize yeah. it on the women yet again. Yeah, I agree with everything you say, but um, when do you see the men? Well, I, no, but I say, so you I, know, if, but in, I say to the, no, but that's what I say to the, to, to the, the, the yeah. female patient. And often I say, bring your partner. Yes, exactly. Bring yeah. your partner. And what I do if I'm seeing them as a, as a consultation, I say, he can come just for 
five, ten minutes. It yeah, doesn't have to be the whole yeah, thing. And then he yeah. goes. But also I encouraged him to open a conversation with them. Yeah. To say, look, why don't you, in a funny way, ask your pa- your not your patients, but your husband, do you know what menopause does? Yeah. Because then, you know, I think the realization of the the you know how many Things are affected by it. It's it's yeah. it's grand. It really is grand. I, I, I yeah. I find this would be fantastic, but often I think it's not so it, for men to speak about sexual activities or relationship problems. It's super difficult. I know, but is it it's that, super yeah. difficult. But I'm. I'm yeah, I mean, you, it's true. you know, it's and then having a doctor there who is possibly you know for me it's more i'm more on the side of the women because that's my specialization but i'm a man as well so i could be friends with him Mm -hmm. um it's super difficult and and guys often just don't understand or don't want to understand so it's difficult i i think it is but i think it's there's a lot of this is social cultural and it's been the position of the you know patriarchal society and i think it's not time, but we can maybe slowly can engage into yeah, being could. more inclusive because I think this is probably where we have a softer answer, you know, and sharing the load. I mean, be. you and I have been doing this job, I mean, not, not different job, but I will say after 20 years of osteopathy, one of the things that really has moved me and still moves me is the difference in the suffering, for lack of a better word, between men and women. I think just this society is just not fair. Women have to deal with yeah. so yeah. much more on a regular basis. And I find that it's, I'm not trying to balance things out here, but I think communication and education of, about those things yeah. lead to both people benefiting from it. At the end of the day, if you can have intercourse again with your wife, happy days. Yeah. Everyone's happy. And if she's not in pain and if you're not in yeah, pain, yeah. Who, you know, it's a win-win situation here. I yeah. think there's not there's nothing to lose, right? Yeah. But you have to do it together. I completely agree. Yeah. But I, sadly, that's that's sadly not the reality. No, not yet. Yeah, but I think yet. that we can we can join <laughs> yeah. forces each other. Absolutely. And just lead it, lead, I'm open for it. Leading to lead into that. But listen, thank I I just want to well wrap it up a little bit. That's okay. okay. And, and I thought so. We're lucky to have you because you have such an experience in, into this whole industry of, of understanding gynecology and obstetrics. And I find that it's, it's in a way, isn't it the oldest job in the world? I think, you know, there's been always baby being born and there will be more. But what I love a lot about it, and I want to say this as we wrap it up, is that we're going in this society and we, you know, technology is bouncing left, right and center. But this is something that is bringing us back to who we are really. And I'm very close to this, this state of being a mammal, being an animal. You know, we make babies in our tummies and it's it's the, the force of life is yeah. here. We we don't know how to make them in, you know, it happens there. Yeah, and it's grand. And I think when you see those patients and I see them, I think that you really want to empower this. Like, you know, it's ex- it's quite extraordinary, right? You know, it's it extraordinary. And, and I all think of the every time, processes, yeah. you know, I'm fascinated. And you must be every time you deliver a baby thinking, yeah. wow, yeah. I don't know how many babies you deliver in your life, but it must be quite incredible. Yeah, a lot. But every time I get a uh, baby's been born and it's I look emotional. at them, I think, oh my God, it's amazing. Even though they're not mine, yeah, but yeah. you look at them and I think, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, it is. I think it stays amazing. Well, and it should continue to be like that. Well, exactly. Well, I'm glad to hear this. Fantastic. Thank you, Etienne. This was Thank lovely. You, Thank you for your Pleasure. time. I know how busy you are. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I really certainly enjoyed it and I learned a lot. So I hope to see you soon on the next series of your Una Series podcast. Thank you and bye. Thank you. Fantastic.